down. I was reading Andrew Murray. I don't know if many of you are familiar with Andrew Murray. I think most, a lot of you probably are. If you aren't, you know, there's very few people whose books 100, 200 years later are as good now as they were in the 1850s, whatever. And Andrew Murray is one of those kind of people. If you haven't read his book, uh, I'm a big A.W. Tozer fan. And uh, what's interesting is after reading a lot of Tozer through the years and then reading Murray, who was 100 years or 50 years, whatever it is before him, uh, like, oh, now I know who taught Tozer. Because <laughs> you see the, the large influence that Murray had on so many people. Uh, anyway, there's just a, there's a lot of connections. But if you, uh, that what they did with Murray is they took so many of his sermons and his talks and they put them in 30-day books. So he's got like 240 books, but they're designed, each chapter may be two pages. Um, so you read his book, and they're really, you know, on whatever the topic is, at least a lot of them are written in a short way like that, but they're very accessible and they're very profound. One of the things that happened to him at one point early in his life, I believe, well, first of all, he had a father who prayed for 30 years for revival every Friday night, uh, and he was in South Africa back in the 1800s. And, uh, and then Andrew Murray, I believe, in his life, would think his father was still alive. They experienced, uh, I don't know if it's still considered, but... Uh, for all of known history in his lifetime. They had a revival that Andrew would have been very much a part of. Uh, but for two years, he was sick. And um, in those two years, he has a book on divine healing. Uh, and it's all about the principles of healing. But uh, in those two years, uh, God drove him into God. You know, sometimes adversity uh, drives us into God. Uh, and it forces us to... Uh, to really seek the Lord and to uh, find him in a different kind of way as God strips everything away. And so he, in the foreword of his book on divine healing, he talks about uh, that two years and the, the blessing of how it forced him to find God in a different way uh, and then the benefits of that in that he found uh, an understanding through the scripture of the power of God for healing for himself and then uh, obviously had a tremendous ministry of healing for other people. Um, but his theology sound, it's, it's such a nice, to read somebody who's got such profound understanding of the Bible and such profound understanding of the Spirit and experience mixed with the theology, uh, that's what we need, and, and, and he's really good. So there's my commercial. I don't get any money for it, or there's no link to, cl to click on and I get a rebate or something. Uh, it's just, he's just that good. I was reading him today on divine healing, going back, and he, uh, one of my texts that I use quite a bit when I have preached, and the Lord's taught me through lots of parts of this particular healing of the cripple man, um, so the paralytic. So he talked about this, and I want to talk about it briefly tonight, uh, or not so briefly as, the, as it turns out, but uh, we'll see. Uh, it says, uh, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. In this text, the man was, um, he was paralyzed, and Jesus said that the manifestation of healing in his body was a manifestation of the truth. So here's a physical healing that Jesus was accomplishing, and he's saying, here's something that you can see that demonstrates a greater miracle. And the greater, I mean, it's very important that the paralyzed man was healed. Uh, Jesus really cared about him and cared about his life and his body. That was really important. But Jesus says, that the power that heals demonstrates a greater principle, and that is that you could know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. 
Now I think of that, that's a, I've thought about that and prayed about that in that passage many times. And, and Andrew Murray says, uh, which I was reading uh, earlier today, this morning, uh, he says, hey, the point is, is to remember that not all sickness, but a lot of sickness comes because we're not in right relationship to God. And we talk so much about grace, which is, of course, super important, but sometimes we forget to talk about repentance. Uh, and maybe we, uh, maybe because uh, at least I grew up in a church that, at least as best I could tell, uh, shamed us and uh, guilted us and maybe manipulated us. Uh, I don't think they were very healthy churches. I think they loved Jesus. Uh, they weren't a cult or anything. On the other hand, they weren't emotionally healthy people. And I think they didn't know how to balance uh, the idea of sin and grace. And I think in, in our case, you sort of had grace until you got saved. But once you got saved, then it was Pharisee time. Then it was all rules and regulations. So, so if you were lost, it didn't matter what sin you did on the day you got saved, there was all this love and welcome for about a week. From then on, it was the ruler, it was the rod. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe I misunderstood as a child, I don't know. I, was, I think I paid pretty good attention. I, I think uh, at least there was a good bit of that. So Jesus says, hey, that you'd know the power on the earth to forgive sins, meaning that sin manifests in different ways. And one of the ways in which sin in this universe manifests is that it affects us out of balance in our immune system and all kinds of things. Myself, here I am, I just went through Salmonella. Uh, I went to, to um, Peru last October, and uh, the way that the health department tracked it down, the, the time in which I felt like someone punched me in the stomach and I had these terrible, uh, unbelievable pains in my stomach, it was in Peru. So, you know, now eight months later, however I many it is, uh, they're pretty sure that I got the Giardia, the Salmonella then. And now uh, they're saying, well, you still have a few things. We don't know what they are, but uh, none of them are hard to treat. It's hardest it's just to find out what they are. Uh, you get into these little kind of more rare zones of little microbes, whatever. It's not contagious, by the way, in case that scares you. Uh, but I have to now do more tests and different things. and It's a hassle. And I was with some intercessors today, some very good people. They said, don't forget to check and make sure. Now, this kind of church is. I may be the pastor and the bishop, but they said to me, make sure there's no open doors of sin. And I'm thinking, well, there always is in a way, uh, meaning none of us are perfect. On the other hand, I'm not aware of it. But let me tell you something. Part of these seasons, it lets us ask the question, Lord, is there something that I open the door? And, uh, the, you know, the enemy wants us to forget. The enemy wants us to uh, to make excuse, the enemy wants us to not take it seriously or whatever, dismiss it. But the Spirit of God, listen, the, the Bible says, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord. It's in repenting that we receive the grace and love of God and things are restored to the proper things. Uh, we don't have to be, as a kid, I was afraid to admit anything. Sort of, I kind of thought if I admit to it, I'm going to get spanked. You know, that's kind of the family I had, you know. So, so you didn't want to get caught for anything. So it was counterintuitive to me to think growing up uh, that, hey, when we repent to God, that it's going to be a love and acceptance and, and all these other good things. I've found that out as a man, but there still are at all of us, certainly in me, some of the childish things that wants to uh, be defensive or wants to, uh, what the old word of dissimulate, which is to make small our sins, to sort of hide them and cover them. When the reality is the only way we can grow and stay in right relationship with God is that we, in relationship with God, keep short accounts with him. 
And uh, the older I get, the, the more I'm aware of, you know, times where for long periods of time, I uh, didn't realize pride or this or that. Thought I was, if you had asked me, I would say, oh, I'm doing great. Uh, particularly as a young minister, I really thought I was hitting it. I don't know why. I wasn't particularly anointed or successful or anything. Wasn't, you know, but I kind of thought I was really hitting it. And, uh, and then uh, when I had a sort of a breakthrough with the Holy Spirit, the Lord showed me all this stuff uh, of pride and uh, self-glorification, just tons of terrible things. And I'm thinking, how could I have prayed for years and not heard it? Well, uh, all I can tell you is it's possible, at least for me. I, I certainly prayed. I guess maybe I didn't want to hear it. I don't know. You know I, don't, I can't explain exactly. But what I can say, when God showed me, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So we talk about lots of things about healing and faith and all that. But one of the keys to healing, and one of the things that we've got to make sure about, if we're going to be walking in a right relationship with Jesus and we're going to experience things, we have to ask the tough questions. And because of the cross, it's not that tough of a question other than to our pride. But to ask the Lord, would you search us? Would you show us? Lord, are there things between me and you? Are there things that have happened, whether they're intentional or unintentional? I, um, I have some dear friends in India, and uh, their son, uh, who is in uh, university in India, is going to a Christian college of some sort in the South, and he's in the worship program, and he, uh, he got really uh, in tremendous pain in his hip and his back, and uh, he's a young man. He's like 20 years of age. And so my dear friends, who we think the world of, uh, contacted me and said, would you please, please pray for my son? So about a month ago, I, uh, he asked me, and I'm, it's late at night, and I'm trying to fall asleep, and so I get, I'm in my rocking chair outside, got my fan on, and I'm praying for him, and I see in my mind a box. Now, I couldn't see the outside. I could see a snake, like a gardener snake, a green uh, it was a black snake with green and white stripes. I looked up the internet. It looks like a gardener snake when you look it up. But I saw it, and what I saw was this snake stuffed in a box. I couldn't tell how big the box was. And I saw, so it was like, imagine if you saw a snake smushed in such a way inside of a box that you knew it was a box, but you didn't see the box. I mean, it's like a, it was like a glass box, except for there was no edges or anything. I just saw, I knew it was a box because the snake was pressed up against the sides and smushed in this box. So I'm having this vision while I'm praying. I'm half asleep. You know, I'm thinking, this is kind of weird. I don't like snakes at all, by the way. I mean, you're talking about a person who will jump and, uh, you know, with a snake. I'm, I'm that person. And, and I see a gold bow on top of the box. Now, I can't tell if it's watt size or ring size exactly, but I see this thing. And, uh, you know, it, it, honestly, if someone, if PJ had said it, I probably thought, no, that's nothing. That's just, I'm just freaking out. No big deal. I would have ignored it. But because it's India, in India, you know, there's so many, you know, so I'm like, okay. So I write him and say, crazy thing wrong. See if uh, someone gave him a gift. I interpret it from the bow that it was a gift. And so I tell this to the father. He, uh, the son's coming back from university. He gets the son, takes about three or four days. The son says, no, guy's smoking pot. You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. No, he didn't say that. But, but no, the guy had no idea. About three or four days, days later, he goes, oh, wait a minute. A girlfriend, not a girlfriend he was dating, but a girlfriend had given me a box that her ex-boyfriend gave her a couple years earlier, and a Buddhist monk had given that box to him. And there was something weird in the box. I can't remember what it was. So immediately, 
uh, they repented for connection of this box, receiving this gift. Now the boy, I say boy's 20, but boy, uh, he, he didn't do anything wrong in a sense. He didn't try to do something wrong. He must have his own sin problems. But there are times that we can sin even when, by receiving something like this, even in the sense that we need to repent of it, even though there was no intention of doing something wrong, but we still got it wrong. And so the young man and his father pray, and immediately about 80% of the pain of things went away. He was going to have to have a hip surgery. He still has a stenosis in his L4 and L5, which I believe is somehow the spine is not large enough in the, like, uh, the, the disc or something. We need to pray for him. I, when I pray for him, I see Jesus rubbing on it and sort of hopefully making that place. I think, I don't you know, I don't know the L4 and L3. I think it's in your lower back. But wherever that is, it's too tight somehow. And so when I pray, I, I sort of see Jesus hopefully kind of erasing some of it and giving it more space. But he was going to have to have a hip surgery at 20 years of age. And when he prayed and, and, uh, and, and dealt with this, and they asked the Lord to come and to remove any demonic attachment that came by receiving this gift, the vast majority of his pain left his body. That you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. I will do these things in the outside. Our physical sickness will sometimes be a mirror of some other issue morally or uh, something else that is wrong in our relationship with God in such a way that because of the cross, you will find the healing you need on earth but it will demonstrate to you that the power I have to cleanse you and to put you right with the Father. That's what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. So we want to not in any way to condemn anybody. We don't come and judge anybody. At first, I have to say, when my two prayer ladies were saying to me this, I'm thinking, you know, are they talking about overeating? I'm thinking there's some obvious things. What are they, you know? But I realized I don't know what they're talking about. I don't, they weren't judging me. We all get a little pride. We all feel a little condemned. But I realized they're not doing it. They're just asking the important question. Have we opened a door, pardon me, <coughs> have we opened a door that would allow the enemy to bring something messed up physically, emotionally, spiritually in our lives? And sometimes when we go back, I mean, uh, Dwayne Wade, I believe, the basketball player. Uh, I just saw this on uh, it was Yahoo or something a couple days ago. But he said, since he watched all these horror movies, now he's afraid of the dark. He opened himself up to all this stuff, and now there's a fear. He opened him up. If, if I would like, oh, I would love if I knew Dwayne Wade to say, oh, we can get rid of that. If you'll repent for opening yourself up to all this darkness and evil and watching all that stuff, the Lord will come in and he'll take all that fear of the dark and oppression and oppression, and he'll set you free. I don't know him, so you know, I've just been one more crackpot if I tried to email him. So. But if I could get a hold of him, like, hey, it's free. You know, you could, you could turn the lights off. That you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. There are things happening in our physical, natural bodies that are being affected and manifesting disharmony, disease, because on the inward parts that need forgiveness and grace, we need forgiveness uh, and cleansing. And Jesus came to do that. Uh, and he came without condemnation. Uh, he, he bore our condemnation. He bore our penalty, our suffering. Uh, all the things that we deserve, he dealt with on the cross. And so it's his kindness that brings us to take an honest assessment, uh, to look at ourselves and ask the Lord to show us that we can repent and get right with God.
That's a pretty good deal. It's an amazing deal of what God has provided and his incredible love of the life of Jesus and his, and his death for us. I wonder tonight if we could take a few minutes and we could ask him, Lord, uh, I've been asked, I certainly have asked this question before this morning when I met with my prayer people, that don't forget what you would tell someone else in essence. And, and that is, again, without condemnation, let's ask the tough questions. Because if it is something like that, we want to know. All we want to do is be right with God. Whatever it is. I have to say, just so you know, as of yet, I don't really know. But sometimes I've had to pray for weeks before whatever it was that was blocking me from getting it, got it. Now, whatever that says about hardness of heart, or pro, I, don't, I can't tell you exactly why. Sometimes it doesn't happen immediate, but sometimes we have to seek the Lord, and it takes more than just a minute. But I can tell you, I don't know yet, uh, but I'm willing to ask the question, because it's such an important question that it's got to be asked. Now, what you don't have to do is to try to judge yourself and to allow the devil to bring condemnation to you, meaning, meaning guilt from the devil makes you feel like garbage. Conviction is an invitation to grace and transformation. When it's the Lord, there's an energy to repent and to receive love and grace. I think a lot of things that, the, that Christians think is God is actually the devil. When it's guilt and shame, it's the enemy, it's not God. A lot of people repent of things 50 times. And then if I say this kind of sermon, they're going to be, oh, you know, this and that. And they've already repented of it. If you've already repented of it and dealt with it, God already dealt with it a long time ago. So if there's a, it, when you hear a word like this, it tells you a little bit of, of, is your frequency to hear the Holy Spirit versus the devil? And for years, I heard everything through a lens of condemnation and judgment, and I found out that was the devil, it wasn't God. Remember that. True guilt is a conviction that comes where we know our sin, but there's also a grace to repent and to receive the forgiveness of sin. There's a grace there, there's a power there. A whole lot of stuff that people come in and talk to me about through the years, it's been a false guilt from the enemy. And I can't tell you that people have come in troubled after years, and they had repented hundreds of times. The first time they repented, Jesus heard them. It was the enemy and that religious sort of spirit of the enemy that was condemning him. Right? But what we do, so we're not wanting condemnation, there's no shame. Jesus dealt with all that on the cross. But we do want to ask the question, hey, is there something that's opened us up? If there is, to our sin, whether it was intentional or unintentional. We don't have to figure out, is it 2% me or 90? You know, um, I, my hunch is the boy had no idea when he received that gift that it was cursed. Well, he didn't. He did not know when he received the box that it was from a Buddhist monk. And it was almost certainly cursed because there was something in the box. And sort of when he kind of, when it all came together, he realized, oh yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of clicked for him. But I don't think he, but it's still something he had to repent of. He had to turn away from that, separate himself from that, and, and ask the blood of Jesus to come and cleanse him of that. I, I wonder what's happening within you. What things would be so much better? What things that we would see the internal forgiveness of sins manifest in our bodies as Jesus heals it if we would, in fact, uh, get right with God in that kind of way? So, I'm done, but we're going to take a couple of minutes. Now, what we do, now, I grew up Baptist, and so I always thought the Catholics were manipulating everybody by going to confession. See, um, like, you know, I hate to say it, what I always felt like is, you know, if you confess your sins, you're going to get spanked or beat or whatever. So I'm like, that's the last thing, you know, so I told you that. But, so I thought the Catholics, and I don't know about all Catholics, I have found it's not true of at least many Catholics. 
uh, and Catholic priests that I've known. Uh, as it turns out, confession and repentance, of course, brings tons of healing and grace. Uh, but I thought it was some kind of trick, you know. So uh, in the Anglican Church, we don't require confession, but there are people who, until they come to a priest privately and get a chance to kind of get things off their chest, it's like the enemy and the accusation, the doubt attacks them. And sometimes you've got to have that kind of confession conversation. And, and sometimes we just have that conversation. It doesn't matter. You don't necessarily have to follow a form. Some people, it really helps them. What's funny is in my own personal life, uh, some of you remember Father Rob. I, I can never, never forget making a confession with Father Rob and how powerful it was following the structure of a confession, a deliberate, specific confession, and just the grace and the peace and the love that I felt having done that. Uh, in the Anglican Church, at the very end, the way ours says, it says, uh, the Lord has put away your sins. Uh, the priest says that the last thing that happens is after the person confesses and we pronounce absolution, meaning that we, we tell with our human mouth what Jesus would say and says that Jesus has forgiven your sins, he died on the cross for your sins, and you are really forgiven. That's not exact words, but that's the point. And, and then you, the priest says, the Lord has put away your sins. And the person says... Thanks be to God. And I found, what I, what I do now when I do that, I don't do it frequently because we, we don't have a lot of people that come frequently, but when people do it, I say, I do that three times. It's like, as if it sinks in each time. So I'll say at the very end, so first I'll say, the Lord has put away your sins, and they'll say, thanks be to God. It feels real formal. And then I'll say, the Lord has put away your sins. And the second time, is as if it starts to break, and I say, thanks be to God. And by the third time, the joy and the peace and some of the tears and the release comes. Um, it's as if there for a moment, heaven opens up and we can enjoy this very tangible sense of his presence and the cleansing that he promises. I mean, he cleanses us long before we say, thanks be to God and, and the Lord's prayer your sins. But it's wonderful to, to get into a flow where we can experience in a very tangible way that peace and that cleansing uh, in a moment like that that's been set apart for God for that purpose. So I'm going to give us a couple of minutes. We're going to just ask. Some of us will ask for weeks things and just let the Lord bring things to mind. But tonight, in case there's something tonight, would you take a moment and ask the Lord to show you? Remember, the, the Lord's not going to trick you. He's not trying to punish you. He doesn't want to harm you. He just wants to cleanse you and forgive you. He died on the cross to cleanse you and forgive you. But it does require on our part a earnestness, a sincerity, and a willingness to acknowledge our sins that he might forgive them. Not clothing them, hiding them, uh, making them smaller than they are, just bringing them, no, not making them bigger than they are, but bringing them before God and letting him cleanse them with the blood of Jesus. Then I'm going to pray a prayer of absolution, right? And then I'm going to say, the Lord has put away your sins. And if you're nice people, you're going to say, you can at least play along and try it. And you're going to say, thanks be to God. And then I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it three times again, just not real, just, just letting the truth of God's word uh, just seep into our being that we could enjoy what it means that we're people who've been washed in the blood of Jesus uh, and, and completely forgiven because of his perfect life and death for us. Okay? Take a couple minutes. Lord Jesus, would you come and would you show us anything that would hinder us tonight and keep us from perfect relationship with you? We know there's tons that we won't remember all tonight, but, but whatever it is tonight, Lord, that your spirit would bring, we... We'll repent of it. We'll turn from it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we pray protection.
from all religiosity and from all condemnation from the enemy. Uh, Lord, that would keep us from really being serious about being right with you and confessing and repenting of our sins. But we thank you because the cross that we know absolutely that when we come to you uh, in faith and true repentance, Lord, that you hear us, that you love us, and that your shed blood cleanses us from all iniquity. And we receive the full benefit of the cross of the perfect life, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that we're seated with you in your ascension in heaven. And we take our place as your blessed and loved children, dearly loved by God in Christ. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Now let it sink into you. The Lord has put away your sin. Let's just say it together. Thanks be to God. Hear it again. The Lord has put away your sin. Thanks be to God. The Lord has put away your sins. Thanks be to God. Now, Lord, I pray that every voice of accusation, condemnation, judgment, guilt, every agreement we have to uh, sort of the self-curses of not believing that we're good enough to be forgiven or any other trick of the enemy that's kept us from the joy of our salvation. I rebuke those things now in Jesus' name. All oppression and depression, self-hatred, all quitting and giving up and worthlessness, I rebuke those things now in Jesus' holy and precious name. And I ask you, Lord, to come now and to minister to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and prepare our hearts to receive those things in the outer body that would reveal the truth and the wonder and the goodness of your great salvation love that we may know that the Son of Man and enjoy the benefit that the Son of Man has the power on the earth to forgive sin. Lord, we pray that you'd heal our bodies, our emotions, our minds, that you'd set us free, and that we could live in uh, purity and holiness and joy in this life. And we ask these things in the most precious and wonderful name, the name of Jesus, and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.